0: Welcome to episode ninety seven of the Thunder Underground Podcast. My name is Trent. As always, this here is Jason.
1: What's going on?
0: Lots of things, I think. I think so. This is a big week for different reasons. Yeah. We're gonna talk about it. Okay. Okay. And we're here at ninety-seven. Yeah. What was that? Was that the year that you fell in love with Limp Biscuit, right?
1: Um probably. Yeah. And you know what?
0: Hey, I did too. I yeah, I was I about to say
1: you did too, so don't hate.
0: Right. Don't hate. That fits right in with the whole theme of that's rap right. metal, right?
1: And, you know, we may not be in love with Limp Biscuit anymore, but the whole country of Germany still is, and more power to them.
0: Are they pretty big there? Yeah,
1: they go. They headline all the festivals there. Nice. And that's it. Any, anywhere else. Remember when Scott Ian, uh, you know, went up and did um, uh, oh, Bring that's the Noise right. with him? Yeah. And he said, I, just because it's Germany and they're huge there, I did it. <laughs> so anyways, there right. you go.
0: 97 speaking of the 90s we're going to talk about Temple the Dog. There you go. And we're going to talk about Metallica. Okay. I can say, speaking of the 90s, because hey, Metallica yeah. was massive then. Oh yeah, they sure like were. like are now. I don't know, do we want to just start this thing with Temple the Dog? Yeah. Or do you want to start with Metallica? Ech. We're making these decisions in front of people right here. That And
1: that's, that's fine. That's off the cuff. That's, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> uh, what we do here. So, um, yeah, just start it off, either right. one.
0: Okay, well... Here's the thing: we all know Temple the Dog reunited and have played. They played eight shows in five cities. Okay. And fortunately, I was able to attend the one in Seattle two nights ago, three yeah. nights ago. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, the first of two shows they did. Every other city they played was bigger venues. I think Philly might might have been a theater size. I can't remember, but most of them were like you know the Staples Center and Madison Square Garden. Yeah, But when they got to Seattle, they kept it small and did the Paramount Theater, Okay, which is like, I think, 3,000 seats, maybe. So, of course, it being the Seattle show, it was like a majorly, highly sought-after ticket. Oh, yeah. I bet it was uh, the hottest ticket. Yeah. And even when the show kicks off, Cornell even said, you know, we're really excited to have been doing these shows, but it feels great to finally be right here. Yeah. So... Anyway, I, you know, was fortunate enough to do this because a friend, Bill Ray, has yeah. been, you know, he's a longtime Pearl Jam fan, been in the fan club so he can secure tickets to Pearl Jam shows and the like. And, of course, this was included, and that's how a lot of these tickets were given out through Pearl Jam and I think through Chris Cornell's fan club as well. Okay. And you had to sign up get on a waiting list, basically, and be part of a lottery system because yeah. so I mean, many people were after
1: it. I would imagine it would only have to be something like that as in demand as, you know this this tour is. Right. Yeah.
0: And they did it for they did that for all the shows and he he told me when he first signed up like you could pick the show you wanted and yeah. it told you when you picked that show what your chances of getting the tickets were. And I think if say you pick San Francisco or LA your chances were like 40% or something. Okay. Because it was a bigger venue. Yeah. But Seattle, the chances of getting tickets were 3%. Wow. Because not only was it a small venue, everybody was trying to get that show. Yeah, exactly. And he put in for it and was one of the 3%. Lo and behold. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, to my luck, he asked me if I would like to go. And without even thinking about it longer than three seconds, I said yes. Because I'm like, I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity like that that... That's right. Most people would, you know, give their left nut for.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you only go around once.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, so that being said, we made this trip to Seattle while we are up there. We built it around a few other things because once this was scheduled, we found out Steel Panther was playing the night before, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Yeah. That's kind of both ends of the spectrum there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've seen them a ton of times now or several times in their an amazingly fun live show. Yeah. You know, you can't go wrong with that. It's pure gold, you know, as far as comedy goes. And of course they're excellent musicians. But yeah, like you said, it's completely opposite in the spectrum. They're representing basically what the whole grunge movement kind of exactly. killed out. And no. they, uh, but they were playing the show box and um, there in Seattle. And it was quite a little hike. We had to take the, the rail over there and, you know, we got over there, and I was kind of wondering, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, Steel Panthers got a name for themselves, and I know they play a lot of these big cities a lot, yeah. so I just didn't know, is it something where they play there enough where the crowd won't be big, or... Regardless, I don't know, but we got there, and the place was packed out. Yeah, what... what and it was what, the size of, like, maybe the Canes or something. I was going to ask, yeah, well, like, what kind of... Okay. I mean, it might have been a little bit smaller, but it was literally packed the F out. And yeah. Okay. thousand-plus people, for sure. And... So anyway, still Panther, great. You know what you're gonna get, and if you haven't seen them live, I highly suggest you do so. Yeah, a lot of laughs. Yeah, and it was kind of cool. They played uh they played a couple songs. I don't think you know in the shows I've seen them play, they played Fat Girl, Fat Girl, and I don't think I've seen them play that. And then they played She's on the Rag, and I don't think they played that last time I saw them. <laughs> you know, they played the normal stuff that they always play, and then. I don't think... You know, they played Girl From Oklahoma, too, and I know that they weren't always playing that until this past year. Really? That's great. And <laughs> So, anyway, another story for this was the opening band was pretty good. They were... It didn't really fit Steel Panther at all. It was mm-hmm. just like this heavy kind of... Not really... I wouldn't say nu metal, but he had real heavy kind of scream screaming vocals, but... You know, it was kind of, still had melody to it. and Yeah. You know, they're just a good band. They're called December and Red. And soon anyway, I went up to the merch table afterwards and gave them a card and said, Hey, I got a podcast. Be cool to have you guys on or play your music. And they asked where I was from and I told them and I said, man, we played Oklahoma like three times. They really? said they've played Thunder Alley. I think it was always Oklahoma City. Okay. They opened for like Everybody Panic and okay. a couple other, I think, I think maybe said Head pee or something to Just a few random bands that had played in Oklahoma City. So anyway, that was kind of... What band was this again? uh, December and Red. Okay. I'll have to look them up. Yeah. So maybe you'll hear them coming soon? Yeah, definitely. And I was standing in line for drinks at Steel Panther, and this took like literally 30 fucking 40 minutes. I don't know. Fuck that. I'll stay sober. I did it, you know, once, you know, before the opening band that I did afterwards, because I figured, well, I'm just going to be standing around anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm over there waiting in line forever. And it was one of those lines where there's a real long bar and a bunch of bartenders. So the line is basically just a massive clump of people going backwards. Oh, God. So it's not like a straight line. So anyway, you know, as you go further in the line, you know, people start to drift a little mm. bit in the that. When you're about halfway up there, I look over and the guy standing next to me has on a sleeveless shirt and his whole, you know, upper bicep is the cover of Bad Motor Finger. Really? Wow. So I'm, so I'm just sitting there and after a couple minutes, I just ask him, I'm like, so you going to Temple the Dog? And he said, yeah, of course. Are you? And I'm like, yeah, I came in from Oklahoma for it. And he's like, I came from Paris, France. God damn. <laughs> so that tells you right there. What this show meant to people. Was
1: he French? Do you have an accent? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. He's that's just a insane, man. That long-haired dude with the French accent. He looked kind of like Chris Cornell from like the late '80s. You know, when he had yeah. the long hair and the beard. You know. And... That's dedication. Yeah. And I said, "So, Jesus you just come here by yourself?" He's like, "No, me and my brother." And he pointed back, and his brother's back there sitting at a table, and said they flew in for the show, and I guess they got tickets beforehand, obviously, but that's
1: awesome. Met some Parisians. Yeah. Nice.
0: So I thought that was, you know, pretty impressive because I thought I was impressive coming from Oklahoma here, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now there's always some, yeah, there's always some, somebody come from farther away. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. We went to, uh, probably five, six years ago, we went to Boston to see Dropkick Murphys. And uh, we did a whole, you know, get on the bus and go to Lowell and, you know, to charity. And Ken Casey comes on the bus and meets everybody. And he asked us where we were from. We said Oklahoma. He's like, holy shit, he came from Oklahoma. Kid behind us was from Italy. <laughs> Beat us. That kid got a hug and everything. Yeah. So yeah, there's all there's so he, always somebody farther away. So the Italian kid ruined your morning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he stole
0: he stole my fucking glory. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what's next? You know, so we went before we went to the show, I also made the trip to West Seattle to Easy Street Records. Nice. You know, famous record store there in Seattle. It opened like in the late 80s. So it was kind of there during the heyday of all this stuff. Okay. And uh, the main reason I wanted to go over there besides just seeing a cool local record store, which is always great. Yeah. Was, uh, you know, back in the day in Seattle, one of the, I can't remember which club it was, but one of their, one of the well-known clubs where all these bands played, there was a mural of Mother Love Bone you know, graphics and stuff painted on the side of the the club. Yeah. And uh, that club eventually got torn down, like, I don't know when, years later, you know, after the 90s. And Jeff Mint repainted this logo this past May on the side of logo, sorry, mural on the side of Easy Street Records. Really? So we went out there basically to see that and check out this record store and you know so that was cool we yeah. got pictures of that mural and everything and checked out the record stop i mean record stop shop and they had all kinds of you know stuff from the you know original pressings of like you know sound garden house and chains and temple of the dog they had a sealed original temple of the dog for 500 bucks and wow that's just,
1: nuts man
0: you know just crazy awesome stuff and just records lined up as far as you could see yeah so, uh, you know, that was a cool thing to check out is they're in West Seattle. So we got to see another section of, you know, of town. that was a little had a little bit different vibe to it than downtown. And that's actually where Eddie Vedder lives. But I didn't run into him over there, just so you know. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, he, had, he had family commitments. Okay. I see. Yeah, he yeah. probably did. <laughs> that's why he wasn't at the show. Okay. But, so then we also made the trip to Renton, Washington to check out Jimi Hendrix's grave. Yes. Because we thought, well, how often are you going to get a chance to do something like that?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because that was like, you know, I had to pay like 50 or 60 bucks round trip Uber total to do it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, when are you going to get that kind yeah. of opportunity? Yeah, you only go around once. Yeah. And it was right in the middle of this cemetery. <laughs> like, there's no way to miss it when you mm-hmm. walk in. Like, it's a normal cemetery with, you know, normal headstones all around. But like right out in the center is this, this massive freaking, yeah I forgot what the word is that they call that, the thing that covers everything, but you know, this huge monument that like a gazebo style thing that you walk inside mm-hmm. and you know, the headstones there on the front of it and just all around it, it has, you know, like his signature engraved different, you know, I think a couple of you know, lyrics or poems. And then, you know, each four sides of the gazebo on the inside had different, you know, photos of him. There's a massive guitar erected in the middle and, you know, there's a steps leading up to it on all sides. So you walk up in and out and around this thing.
1: That's awesome.
0: And it was, you know, completely well done. And there was, it, you know, kind of like when we saw dime bags, it was extremely well done, but we talked about, you know, how people would, Fucked with it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, not like tried to destroy it, but they, well, technically they did, but yeah. they were doing it for their own personal reasons, you know, like try to take a piece <laughs> of it or scratch their dumbass name in it or whatever. But, you know, thankfully Hendrix, there was nothing like that. Yeah. You know, there's cool people though. that had left shit there and there was a, one of the murals that was up on there was a, you know, a picture of his face and there was a bunch of kisses with lipstick. Really. You know, that you could tell were real, I think. Yeah. So like people had done that over recently. Wow. But that was like the only obviously that can come off. So yeah. it wasn't like people were defacing it or anything. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, that's a, a cool thing to see if you're in the Washington or in the Seattle area. Yeah. But other than that, the final thing to to get to is going to the show and another interesting thing I wanted to tell you was we walk out there early in the day to get pictures of the marquee and everything. And uh, there was this couple out there that were doing the same thing. And we were talking and we're like, well, let's head off. We'll come back, pack around four. I think it's when you can pick up your will call tickets. And that guy overheard us and he's like, did you say you can get him at four? And Bill's like, yeah. And so we started talking to him and he's asked a couple questions. We talked to him for a few minutes and then finally just, Randomly, I said, so where'd you guys come from? Yeah. He's like, oh, we came from Oklahoma. <laughs> you gotta be kidding no. me. I was like, you serious? And Bill's like, we're from Oklahoma. He's like, no way we're at. And they were from Tulsa. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm from Broken Arrow, dude. That's awesome. They didn't believe us until I said Broken Air, And I'm like, oh, he knows a town that's not famous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not
1: Tulsa or Oklahoma City. Yeah. That's great.
0: So, yeah, we talked to them for a while and then... You know their their seats ended up being like 15, 20 seats down from us in the same row. Okay. So like you know we saw him going in and we saw him going out, talked to him, and then you know we had different flights. Me and Bill had different flights coming back, and he was on their flight coming out of there. You know, so it's just like we kept running into him after that. So it's kind of awesome. kind of cool, you know. And then once we got in there, the guys, the guy and girl sitting directly next to me, we started. To, Excuse me, talking to them, and they had flown in from San Antonio and Laredo. Wow. And the same thing, they had got fan club tickets through the lottery. Yeah. And then I heard the guy behind me say that he was from San Francisco, and he had uh, went to all the West Coast shows. Really? Like, he had went to the two San Francisco shows, the L.A. show, and then that Seattle show, so it was his fourth one. Yeah. And I don't know if he was going to the one the next night or not. I would assume if he had done that, he probably was. But yeah. And other than that, I didn't hear. I didn't hear a lot of people saying where they were from. Mm. But Bill said he talked to a guy out front that had bought. Him and whoever was with him each paid thirteen hundred dollars, for their ticket. Wow! To get in there. That's
1: crazy.
0: So most of the tickets outside, you know, leading up to it on StubHub, were going for thousands of dollars Mm. and you could randomly find one for like five or 600 bucks. I think if you were lucky. And so I don't know what they were going for outside. There was a few people trying to sell them like, you know, your typical scalper dudes with the sign that's printed that says Mm. I need tickets, Yeah, you know? And so I don't know what they were asking for out there, but there was people walking around. I met a guy from Vancouver beforehand that said he, he had came down from Vancouver and had tickets for Monday night but was trying to like just trade him outright for someone for that night because he couldn't go Monday night now
1: <laughs> really yeah
0: like something happened where he had to go out of town and he was just like praying that someone would switch him shows or whatever uh, so, did he
1: did he make it I don't know well let, let's hope yeah. that guy made it yeah
0: hope he got this if yeah, he yeah. didn't hope he got it worked out and still got to go to a show that's it? right that's right so how was the show man man it was it's one of those things where it's really exactly what you expected where you go to a show like that in an intimate venue. Yeah. Seeing something that's pretty special, like in the town that it was made in. Yeah. And it, it completely had that vibe, you know, just like going into it, you know, like walking in there and hanging out beforehand and sitting down and waiting for them to start and all that was just a, that vibe. Everybody's just talking to each other, you know, more so than a normal show, like people that don't know each other and Mm -hmm. everybody's just like, overly happy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just because you're like I said, I mean, this was, you know, back in the day, this band played two shows and that was it. Yeah. Two shows in Seattle. And I'm sure they were at tiny ass places. And most people that would say they were there probably were lying, you know? So it was, (laughs) you know, in, in between then and now, all that ever happened was a few random one or two songs at a Pearl Jam show that Chris Cornell showed up at, you know? Yeah. And so for this to, this to happen and be in that venue you it really had that vibe of being special and you just yeah. felt like you felt lucky to be there not just because you were but just because that aura was in the air no yeah. matter how dorky that sounds yeah and just you know as soon as they kick this thing off like just like you imagine the crowd like blew up like cheering off their ass and like it never stopped Really? It was just one of those shows. The show was like two hours and f- 35 minutes, I think. Wow. And there was maybe two or three songs where like people were like kind of calm. Yeah. But even at the end of it, they'd blow up again. But for the most part, all the songs, except maybe a few of the covers, everybody was singing along mm-hmm. to every song. Yeah. At least from what I could tell. Wow. It kind of looked like up front. Some people weren't because I think those were the uppity bastards that... Got tickets given to them by, you know, Microsoft or whoever. Yeah. Fuck (laughs) them. Yeah. Who are they? Yeah, fuck them. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) But they kicked it off with Sailor to Heaven, like just straight out the gate. They go with the big hit, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, the place is cheering off their ass. You can't hardly hear him at the beginning. That's Or hear the guitar, I think. You could hear him. I couldn't hear the guitar very well because people were so loud. Yeah. You know, just singing along and everything, and, you know, from there out, their set list was 20-some songs, I think, and they played every every song on the Temple of Dog album. Yeah. Then they played five Mother Love Bone songs. Wow. And then they played uh, Chris Cornell's solo song, Seasons, from the single soundtrack. Yeah. And then they played River of Deceit by Mad Season, <laughs> because Mike McCready was a part of that, of course. Yeah. And then... Wow. They played, uh, as far as their stuff, that was it. And then they played uh, War Pigs, uh, Zeppelin's Achilles Last Stand, uh, Jimi Hendrix' Hey Baby, and a Cure song, a David Bowie song. Wow. Holy Holy. And then they played... Man, there's something else I'm forgetting, but there was like another cover in there. And... uh, But regardless, it was just, for me, you know, we've talked about this tons of times, you yeah. know, like the the whole glam era and then thrash metal after that were kind of what, you know, was our thing. Mm-hmm. And grunge is the thing that kind of came in and kind of pushed that out. Yeah, kind of pushed it around a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people fucking hated that. Yeah. And, you know, I think like anyone, I was kind of annoyed that I couldn't hear, you know. Poison or Warrant or Motley Crue on the radio as much, but you know, I was at that age where I was still impressionable enough that I'm going to mm-hmm. listen to what's coming out, yeah. and yeah. I'm glad that that happened because you know, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Screaming Trees and Pearl Jam and you know all these bands had great music Yeah, definitely. that we fell in love with, you know and we've talked about that that whole time of like 91, 92, 93 whenever you could hear you know, a Temple of the Dog song a Soundgarden song, and then a Megadeth song, and then a Poison song, and a yeah. radio all at the same time. Th-
1: that that was, was a pretty cool
0: time. That was the best
1: time, really. Yeah. I mean, and really, you know, a, a good example of that is that tour that you had at that time. Skitter-O, Pantera, and
0: Soundgarden.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's really... And that's what it should have always been yeah. about.
0: And Soundgarden opened for Guns N' Roses before that, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, true. And Alice in Chains, remember, was part of the thrash of the titans Titans. that's right and i mean i i know some of those shows they got shit thrown at them but people eventually loved them
1: yeah yeah exactly i mean you know it, it, and that's it's funny you mention that because we it, it, we had so much disdain for for a lot of that for so long but i mean because you know we missed our we missed our hair bands we missed our firehouse and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> As corny as that sounds now, I mean, it's really not corny, but it sounds it. sounds it. Anyways, um, you know, there you just can't deny, you know, facelift or tin, you know, or whatever, whatever your favorite. It's just so, it's just like perfect music. So, yeah.
0: you know, it, it was cool that we,
1: we got to draw from all that.
0: Yeah. And this, like this show, like represented that whole time period perfect because like, You know, for my money, and if someone says, what's the best, you know, three or five albums from the grunge era? Okay. Temple of the Dog is number one, two, or three. Yeah. You know, like the top five is that album and Mother Love Bone. It's those two albums that were represented in, and represented, (laughs) (laughs) represented those two albums. And then Bad Motor Finger and the first two Alice Chains albums. Those are your top five. Yeah. And then you can then you can get into ten and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is those two albums, for me, are right at the top of that whole era. And, you know, because Mother Love Bone, whenever that, when I first heard that, was obviously like most people in this area of the country, was after, way after the fact, after he died. Mm-hmm. Two years later, once Pearl Jam and Soundgarden got big and then Temple of the Dog was out and all this stuff. You know, we were getting crap on Columbia House, 13 CDs for a penny, you know, and then or BMG, and then redoing it six months later. And, you know, I did that several times and always looking for stuff to get. And on one of those, I just decided to get Mother Love Bone because I'm like, oh, that's the band that the guys in Pro Jam used to be in. Yeah. And that's the band that Temple the Dog was paying tribute to that guy and this and that. Yeah. So I got it and my mind was just totally blown because it was like nothing like all those other bands. Yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't even, to me, still doesn't sound grunge at all. Yeah. You know, it's just this melodic singer that almost makes stuff sound like a band from that era was almost glam. you know? Yeah. But regardless, like those songs on there like Stargazer and Man of Golden Words and Holy Roller and Heart Shine and Stardog Champion, they played all these. And it's just stuff I never even thought about. You know, that'd be cool to see live because you're not ever going to see it live. Yeah. So to see it happen and to see someone like Chris Cornell that's got, to this day, still an amazing voice, to be able to pull that stuff off, because Andrew Wood's voice is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take someone phenomenal to be able to represent yeah. that stuff. So for him to get up there and do it was, you know, I feel lucky as hell that I saw it. And I, think, uh, You are lucky yeah. as hell.
1: That's for damn sure.
0: <laughs> and the only thing that I noticed, like, Me and Bill had kind of talked about, but I'd noticed this a long time ago with Cornell. It's like, he tends to sing stuff, a lot of verses and songs slower than they originally recorded. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like he's lagging behind. It's just the way he does it. Yeah. But his voice is so phenomenal sounding that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, like he told stories, but not every single song, but most songs he introed and talked about it. And... You know, if he wasn't talking directly about the song, he would tell some story about Andrew Wood, or he would tell some story about the recording of the album, and you know that kind of thing. Because this whole thing was as much, because you think, you know, when you think about it, it, you think, well, it's Temple of the Dog, is these guys from Pearl Jam that used to be in this band with this guy, and they probably got Chris Cornell to join him up and sing it. But the whole thing was actually Cornell's idea, yeah, because he was Andrew Wood was one of his good friends, and. Actually, his roommate at the time that he died. Wow. So, you know, we talked about all that stuff. And, um, of course, the other guys, like Pro Jam, does live. They never said a word. But yeah. <laughs> they did their thing, so that's all that really matters. Yeah. You know, Mike. McC- I know you're a big fan of Mike McCree's guitar work. And yeah. the guy just, like, with this gets to show a whole nother you know, because Temple of the Dog has that more kind of, not not really bluesy, but you know, there's just something different about it than there is with Pearl jam mm-hmm. and songs like reach down and have these long solos. And then, you know, he got out there live and was just tearing it up and he's just going on this long ass solo, like Zach wild or something like yeah. that you don't see from a guy like McCready generally, you know, unless you saw him on that metal show that time or something. <laughs> yeah, true. So seeing stuff like that, another part that made it, you know, that made it awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well,
1: man, that sounds like you had a one hell of an experience. Yeah, that's a, a pretty good summation of all that. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm happy I got to do it, and I. The venue was amazing. That was yeah. another thing I didn't point out. Like the inside of it was kind of. I was gonna let you know it was kind of similar to. The Midland in Kansas City. Oh yeah, that was a, that's a crazy yeah. venue. That's such a good venue, man. It was the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah. That thing was built a hundred years ago. This, I think, was in the twenties. Yeah. And it was the same thing where the walls and the ceiling were completely ornate where, you know, that probably took them yeah. forever because it was yeah. handcrafted carved stuff. And
2: wow. it was just
0: it. this whole, you know, I remember the Midland being a little more boxed out and this thing was like com- completely curved. Like it didn't look like there were any, you know, points, like any square points or whatever. Really? So like the sound was just phenomenal as well. Wow. That's great, man. And it, I saw it all from the fifth row. That was the other thing I never said. So
1: Fifth row. You yeah. crazy, lucky-ass bastard. Well,
0: sorry, I think it was the seventh row. It oh. was fifth row, and there was a little orchestra pit that they nice. had put chairs down in. So gotcha. there was some people up there. But <laughs> regardless, it was a perfect view of an amazing show.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll not forget that one. No. Yeah.
0: At least not till next week. <laughs> no. And just so that's another thing I thought about. I have to keep rambling about this, but... You know, in the same year now, I saw Temple of the Dog in Seattle. Yeah, something I never even thought about seeing. Yeah, then I saw Iron Maiden in Tulsa, something I, I, know. I never thought would happen. <laughs> and I saw two Guns N' Roses stadium shows with Axl Slash and Duff. Yeah, from the front row. Yeah. So it's like, you know, things I never really imagined would be happening all happen in the span of like eight months. Hey, things are coming up, Trent. <laughs> yeah, that'll work, man. Yeah, that'll work. What can you say? Well, we want to quit talking for a minute, and play some
1: music. I think so. I think now would be a great time to
0: play some uh, Screaming Red Mutiny. All right. Well, Screaming Red Mutiny is out of Tulsa. They, uh, if you look up in the dictionary, badass motherfuckers. This band's picture will be there.
1: All, all four of them.
0: And then, like the, the dictionary will start playing audio because they're that badass. Yeah. They broke the mold of like printed shit in the dictionary. Well, they've got an EP out called Encumbered We Press. It came out earlier this year. It's got six tracks on it. And this track, what's this track called? Beyond the River Rising. Beyond the River Rising from Screaming Red Mutiny. That's from their EP Encumbered. We press. You can find that thing online. Hit them up. Buy yourself a copy. Yes. These guys are definitely worth your money. I've got some things I want to say, but I think you should go because I've been rambling about other stuff for a while now. <laughs> I, I just. Uh,
1: I mean. I mean. I really like what these guys are doing. I like. Uh, you know, you've got. You've got some guys from that were all in different bands around Tulsa and Kansas and they all had different kind of vibes and they came together to do something that was seemed a little out of all their comfort zones and they hit it out of the fucking park. Yeah. They really did. I mean, uh, and you know, if you like concise, you know, catchy, punchy, riffy kind of stuff. I mean, this is, you're gonna love Screaming Red Mutiny. We've played them before. We've talked about them to the umpteenth degree. Uh, you know they're they're opening for uh, Pop Evil uh, this coming weekend uh, at Kane's Ballroom, the uh, Cancer Sucks show. Yeah, and which is a great opportunity for these guys. Uh They're li- live. These guys are just Sprout is just an, a beast. So I mean, um you can't miss these guys, and you know. Look them up on Facebook, buy their shit. Uh, <laughs> they deserve every good thing that happens to them because this band is uh, definitely one to look out for.
0: Yeah, for sure. This this song too is like, <clears throat> thing I love about this one, you know, it's a little more, you know, groovy and slowed down than the other ones and... And this thing kind of intros in with that guitar and his voice. It reminds me of one of my favorite bands, and Conformity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I it's get just, a big COC vibe, too, when I hear this song.
0: Yeah, it's got that real down down and dirty southern kind of just, ugh, man, I don't know. It's just like you, <laughs> you just imagine yourself like out in the woods, like after a long day of like floating down the river and then like there's a stage out there and a band sets up and you've got like a fucking vat of beer and like, they're like, we're going to fucking play some music for you. And this is what's playing. And you're just out there. Yeah. You know, it's like this song has a lot of emotion to it, but it's the kind of thing that just like lift you up kind of, you know, it's like the, you know, an into a perfect day kind of thing, you know, like outside fucking midsummer night, fucking dirty ass music. And, Anyway, whenever, you know, you listen to this, besides just that, you know, you not, you know, every part of this, like the rhythm section and John's guitar work and Sprout's vocals, it just oozes emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. You know, whenever you hear a song that just like, you know, even if you're not going through whatever they're talking about lyrically, you just still feel something. Yeah. Because it's that emotional of a music. That's right, and that's just what I get from this, especially this song, but like just all their stuff. You know, it's just, it's just beyond great. Yeah, I mean, without uh, sounding like a fanboy, but oh, that's well, it.
1: I mean, that's that tells you something. You you didn't just listen to it; you experienced it. Yeah, it made you feel something. It moved you. Uh, and I think that right there is a big indicator of, you know, the punch that these guys pack.
0: Yeah. But yeah, look them up. Screaming Red Mutiny. Like him on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter. Like Jason said, if you're in the Tulsa area, November 26th at the Canes Barroom Cancer Sucks Benefit. They're opening the show for Pop Evil. And hey, I like Pop Evil. I know you're not the biggest fan, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to have a hard time following Music. Yeah,
1: definitely. I'll <laughs> say that.
0: But all right. So speaking of great music, your favorite band in the world. Mm-hmm. This is our first podcast you since know it. since this album dropped yeah. officially. And if you're on the internet, which I'm sure you are because you're listening to this, you can go to YouTube.com and type in at The Thunder Underground and hit subscribe. Follow us for future stuff. But in the meantime, check out the fact that we had our initial reactions to this. We recorded it the day before the album released. <laughs> you know, and our, our initial reaction to hearing all 12 songs. And so now here we are several days later and I've had the chance to listen to it a couple more times through. I assume you probably listened to it oh, yes. more than that. Yeah. But you even got the chance to check out the vinyl. I did. I so got, we yeah, can I got get the, a little more deeper into this now. So.
1: I got the deluxe vinyl uh, box set. It was really cool. A really cool package. <laughs> um, you know, it came with some buttons and posters and lyric sheets and, uh, a red a red vinyl, a blue vinyl and a yellow vinyl. Um and you know you really now that I've had time with it for a few days y- you really you really see the album uh come into its own and you know has the the vibe. I mean we we had the videos and you didn't you know when you didn't really go in the order or whatever, you know, when you were watching them if you're just trying to get them all in or whatnot. And, you know, now that I've listened to it all the way through in order, you know, it's taken on its life. And I mean, it, it's it's very diverse. Uh, it's got some different things going on, but at the same time it's cohesive and it's very hardwired to self-destruct. If I can just say that, you know, I mean, it's very much its own thing. And it, for as much as, my first reaction was, you know, that it had a lot of loadisms, as I said. And, you know, it bridged the gap between the Black Album and Load. Uh, at the same time now, I mean, it really takes on its own life. And it sounds like... It, there's more... Uh, this sounds like Hardwired to Self-Destruct and not as much... It uh, kind of sounds like Load there. That kind of sounds like, you know, the thing it should not be or whatever the fuck. You know, so, I, I mean... It's, like I said, it's taken on its own form to me. Um, I'm really pleased with it, uh, I think. But I still think Confusion, like I said on on our YouTube video, that's still my favorite song, I think, from the album. Um, I'm starting to like the groovier ones a lot. You know, Dream No More. uh, And then um, Now That We're Dead. Really like those songs. So, you know, and it could, every time I listen to it, I, I hear a different part that I like or, you know, I, I really like the intro to Man Unkind with the bass and the, the guitar kind of, you know, going in, in and out of each other. That's really cool. Um, and, you know, it's just a, a, a really cool, a really cool packaging, uh, you know, and uh, they really knocked it out of the park and the way they promoted it. The way they got it out there, um, you know, I, I, it's it's flown off the shelf.
0: Yeah, they created a lot of buzz for, yeah, for a band created, that didn't
1: need buzz. Exactly. It created so much buzz. Uh, it got everybody talking, good or bad. And, and you know, the funny thing is, and, that, and that's another thing, there really hasn't been a lot of shit talk this time around.
0: Yeah. I've seen I, a few I there, but noticed. it's pretty minimal. Yeah, yeah
1: it's very minimal. And, uh, you know, so they've shut some people up and I I think that's cool. Um, and it's just, uh, they, they really, they've really, uh, they kind of had the, you know, they've toppled Death Magnetic, you know, in my, in my humble opinion. And, uh, you know, yeah, there you go. That's, that's (laughs) my take on it so far. Um. I I don't think there's there's not one of these songs they couldn't play live and just slay it. Uh, So I hope that over the course of how however long they tour, you know, probably for the next eight years, (laughs) I'm sure we'll hear all these songs live at some point.
0: You don't think they'll put one of them in the escape category?
1: Uh, No, I mean, because I I, just because the way they do things now, they just play anything except for Escape. (laughs) And fuck, they even played that once. Yeah, uh, over the last eight years, you know, they play. They ended up getting every fucking song from Death Magnetic out live. Yeah, eventually, so they'll do that with this. Um, So, I mean, you know, it's.
0: Can you say what you're say? Because you know, you'll see a show somewhere. Say the show you're going to, like, if you could pick one song from it, what do you hope it is? Um or What song do you hope you hear live more than anything else?
1: I think now that we're dead or confusion. I can't okay. just say one. Yeah. You know? But I think the, one of those two songs I'd really like to hear. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but goddamn, I forgot about Spit Out the Bone. That's <laughs> fucking badass, too. See? I don't know. You know? It's just one of those things. What, what about, I mean, you said that, I think that you said that, Halo on Fire wasn't one of your favorites, and now it is?
0: Well, yeah, when we did the YouTube thing, I'd most of the, like half the songs I had heard only once, and the yeah. other ones I'd heard a few times, and like Halo on Fire I heard once, and I'm like, this is my least, you know, I didn't say I disliked it, it was just, it's my least favorite of the, of yeah. the 12. Well. And it's like the longest song, too. Yeah, It's kind of surprising, because usually longer Metallica songs are great. But anyway... <laughs> You know, once I got back from Seattle, I cranked this thing up a couple more times. And the second time I listened to that song, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? And it just like, just something about it just hit me on the second. It wasn't one of those things where it takes your time to grow into it. Yeah. It just instantly grew into it. And I'm like, this song's something a little different about it, but, and I can't really explain it, but it just has this grand feel like you know, like Bleeding Me or something has, you know, where it's not. It doesn't really even, I mean, it doesn't sound like Bleeding Me. It's not that style of thing, but it's just like, it just has this epic feel. Yeah. You know, like when you think of Master of Puppets and how epic that fucking song is, like where it takes on different turns. Once again, it sounds nothing like that, but it just has that same kind of vibe. Oh, I know exactly
1: what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: And so now, you know, and like I, because I told you some dude commented on a YouTube video and said, you got to listen to Halo on Fire again, like directly comment on that. He's like, it's one of the best songs. And so I replied and said, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I agree now. Yeah. And. <laughs> but I mean, I still stand that Atlas Rise is still my favorite. Okay. Because it's just so reminiscent of like that chorus is so reminiscent of Injustice for All. And yeah. that ending so Ride the Lightning where it's just like, they encapsulated a lot of their eras in that one song. Yeah. And it's just such a great... Like, as good as anything they've ever done. And, you know, and then Moth and the Flame is still way up there for me. Hardwired and Spit Out the Bone and then Murder One. And, you know, really, like Uh, you said, uh, there's not a track that I don't like. Yeah. But
1: I I found myself at work today singing Here Comes Revenge. Yeah. Like, over and over. (laughs) I mean, so that, you know, that's a fucking hook. You know, and another thing I thought was, and I talked to Kevin Graham, our buddy Kevin Graham. What's up? talked to him last night about how
0: he likes metallica by the way
1: yes he likes them a lot and <laughs> why shouldn't you it, it's what's funny i've noticed like the last couple of records is you know metallica they'll start taking it home like a minute before the song you know you can kind of hear it winding down and it takes them like a minute minute and a half to do it <laughs> you can you can just i mean i don't know i'd have to sing a part and it sounds stupid so i'm not going to do that but just you know just listen like the last minute of every song. And it's like, you know, it's just funny how they, they do it. They've got that similar style every time. But, uh, and, and, you know, that's just a little picky shit. Um, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a huge geek for this band, but, uh, you know, I'm glad they're back. I'm glad to see them around. It's just, uh, you know, it's good. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, this, this past weekend's been like Christmas, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: Well, another thing we talked about on YouTube video was how great Kirk's solos are on this. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, and there was a
0: couple songs like when I was listening today. Man, I wish I could remember what song it was. I think it might have been Dream No. I don't know. Like, it was one of the earlier songs, just like his solo. I'm just like, man, this reminds me of just like, you know, like when you hear like, You know, you can still hear master puppets and be transported back to being 13 or or something because it just has that feeling to not just, you know, the chorus and the intro, but like that middle part, the breakdown with a solo that's so, you know, recognizable and amazing. And there was just something on this I heard that, you know, had that same feeling like this reminds me of just like old school Kirk, you know, where like it really means something. And I, I don't know if it's like, this is the first time, you know, cause obviously that wasn't on St. Anger and with death magnetic, it was kind of, you know, like you had said, yeah. a little more frantic pace just yeah. to be fast. Let's, let's go know?
1: 130 yeah. fucking miles all the time. And that's what we're going to focus on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with
0: all the effort he put into this, it's just like really effort. It really shows. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, you got a,
1: you got a few things that we've, you know, we've read about now that it's been out for a while, you know, he lost his phone with all of his riffs in it.
0: Okay. Oh right. He talked about that on Justice show. Yeah.
1: He he got sober. Um, and so he didn't really have so he had a lot of time to concentrate on other stuff, and you know, and and I guess losing a lot of riffs or whatever reason, he kind of was pushed out of the songwriting process you know and so what do you focus on after that if you're Kirk Hammett your solos and that's really what he did i mean he said that he's been playing as good as he ever has he feels like he can play anything now and you can fucking tell i mean his solos are just they're they're worlds beyond death magnetic uh so he's really getting back to some memorable stuff and that that's the thing about Kirk Hammett is you know, I've, and I've heard this said about Lars too. He's, he's perfect lead guitar player for Metallica. He's not the fastest, but you know, he's interesting as fuck. And, um, you know, that goes quite a long way. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's crazy because you've got, you know, uh, Metallica album that's, you know, Robert Trujillo's got a couple more writing credits than Kirk Hammett does. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, another thing randomly I wanted to point out was I was listening you know the some of the extra stuff, and there's the the live version of Hardwired from Minneapolis, yeah, which shout out to Kevin Graham. He was at that show,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: and when you hear you know, we already talked about this when we first heard it on our reaction video on YouTube for that yeah um, that it it instantly takes you back to old school Metallica because it just sounds like a thrash song, yeah, but when you hear it live. The live version, it's even more so. It just sounds like, to me, it fits in with anything from the early days of Metallica. It's just like you just throw it in a set list, and if someone came to a show that didn't know shit about Metallica, except in her Sandman, they would just think it was an old song. Exactly. Which is cool. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, uh, that's why you know I think you mentioned it. They'll probably play that song. That'll be in the set for a while.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine that would just become a set staple for the most part. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, you know, we talked about how fast and heavy spit out the bone was, and honestly, the first time I heard it, I thought it was cool, but it didn't jump out at me as being amazing. Like I saw all kinds of people online saying this is amazing, and I thought yeah. well, it's just because it's fast. But you know, the more I hear it, the more I really latching on to that. Yeah, it's just a great Metallica right. song, and I like I said on the video, I'm glad that there's it showcased Rob some, and then it's got that like several. It's got, like, three solos in it from Kirk, you know? Yeah. no shit. Just overall, the Lemmy tribute's badass. Yeah, it is. Just a great, as you said, great effort. And it's, like we said on that thing, it easily lands at number six right off the bat.
1: Oh, yeah. In the The, scope of where all their albums fall. Yeah, because you've got, obviously, one
0: through five are the first five albums Uh to most everybody. And then there might be a few people throwing load in there. Yeah. But not very many.
1: Load would be would be my number seven. So this is above load
0: for you, huh? Oh yeah. So yeah, what I if so. so what if they they did what a lot of people have talked about? What if you put the best of load and reload together for one album, and then is this album still above that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, still
1: because because a good portion of reload should just be thrown in the goddamn trash can. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'll say it.
0: But I'm just saying, well, if you took the best of the few songs from Reload and put them on load and took off the crap of load you don't care about? It'd then you've still got be to I'd grade still a I'd
1: still like hardwired. <laughs> okay. I think so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, same here, obviously. <laughs> Have we rambled too much?
1: I, not too much, but I think it's time to wrap her on up.
0: <laughs> well, here's something randomly the total opposite of Metallica and um, Temple of the Dog. Okay. Just announced yesterday. Oh, yeah, the winger is coming to Tulsa.
1: That's gonna be fucking badass. I hope Lars is there <laughs> <laughs> throws darts at his head
0: and <laughs> won't go it
1: won't uh won't go down good. Right.
0: but yeah, I mean, I don't know I don't think winger's been to Tulsa since the early nineties like since like the heart of the young tour, yeah, if I'm right, like I don't think they ever played here after that.
1: I don't think so either. You know, and because you would have fucking been there. Yeah, I
0: mean, I would tell you when it was, <laughs> and you know, thankfully I've seen them several times since then. But so it's just kind of cool that it's finally happened. They've been in the area, like they played, mm-hmm. you know, Rocklahoma yeah. the second year or the first year, actually. Anyway, Kip Winger was in Tulsa doing a solo show just this past couple months ago at yeah. Streets Gone Wild. But this is a band that like so many people knock on because of. Basically, because of Bees and Butthead, and because you know yeah. they had a couple ballads that were big. But Red Beach, Rod, Wartenstein, Kip Winger—they're like world-class, like high-level musicians. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like a geek-ass fan of this band. I'm just saying it because it's the truth. Yeah. You know, we're talking Berkeley professor-level musicians because that's what Rod is.
1: Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, Red Beach is a fucking uh, just a wizard on the guitar. Rod Morganstein is, yeah, like you said, he's a fucking professor. Kip Winger just had a number one classical album, so I mean, yeah. the musicianship in this band is, you know, it's it's higher than fucking Dave Chappelle and Willie Nelson combined. You know, <laughs> uh,
0: that's like a random because
1: you know they're high all the time. Yeah. Okay, so, gotcha, sir. So I'm I'm just saying, like fucking. Knock on them. Go ahead. Fuck off. They're insane musicians. And uh, y- you're going to see uh, when they come to Tulsa.
0: These last couple albums that they've put out, you know, are just great hard rock albums. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'll champion these guys the day I die. And I don't give yeah. a shit. I just talked about how great Metallic is. And I just talked about going to Seattle for a grunt show. That's what we call fucking diversity, people.
1: That's right. Eat a dick <laughs> if you don't like it.
0: Right. Well, speaking of diversity, we've had guys from Street Dogs. Yeah. From Shooter Jennings was on this show. You know, we had Sid Falk when we were talking about Metallica and the Heyday of Thrash. Sid Falk was the drummer for Overkill from like eighty seven to ninety two. Yeah. During their heyday. Played on like their three biggest albums. That's right. He was on here on a two part episode. We had on guys from Death Angel, you know, who's from the the Thrash heyday. Fat on guys from Crozier and Conformity, Crowbar. Chris Broderick was in Megadeth for quite a while. He was on here. We've had on guys from glam bands like we talked about, Winger. Fat on guys from Bullet Boys and Trickster and Warrant. Great White, Europe. Yeah. We've had on guys from Drowning Pool and Avatar and Soil. The list goes on, people. So get on. What is it? Soundcloud.com backslash Thunder Dash Underground. Or get on YouTube. Subscribe there at The Thunder Underground. Get on Facebook backslash The Thunder Underground. Get on our website, TheThunderunderground.com. All this stuff's linked on there as well. We're also on Twitter and Instagram and Periscope. So follow us on all those things as well. That's right. And And tell your friends. And and we've got t-shirts for sale. Koozies. Hit us up. That's true. And speaking of t-shirts, we talked about Scream Red Mutant earlier. I should have mentioned this back then. Yeah. You know, I saw a video when Scream Red Mutant was in Kansas a couple weeks ago. They were doing an acoustic uh, thing at like a house show before their concert. Yeah. And Sprout was wearing our shirt. Yes. That's awesome. I know I've seen pictures of him wearing it before. And there's pictures out there of Kirk from Crowbar and Down wearing that shirt. That's right. There's pictures of... You know, I know I'm forgetting. We Nonpoint. Listened. That's right. That's another one that's been on our podcast. Yes, Elias from Nonpoint's got that up there. The uh, Travis from the Devil You Adore, um, Mike Starkey who used to be in um, Scream Red Mutiny, Valerie Hill, Miss Rocklahoma, Katie All these... Irizarry. Yes, yes, she's Eddie Trunk's producer, among many other great things. All these people have sported this shirt, so you know what that means
1: that means you should too
0: there you go beat underground at gmail.com or hit the message thing on facebook we're easy to find you got anything else that you need to say i'm, I'm good up. Well, let's 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 go until next time
2: thunder underground y'all